0: We believe, at its core, democracy is a conversation. It's supposed to be a conversation between voters and candidates, constituents and elected officials. It, it's in that interplay, it's in that exchange that democracy is, is really created. And the, the problem we were looking at was what happens when that conversation is disrupted.
1: Hello this is the great battlefield podcast i'm nathaniel g perlman a great political battle is being fought right now between progressives and the forces of reaction on the other side this show is about the political entrepreneurs and other progressive leaders who are finding new or improved ways to fight my guests today are mike and dave bombwell two brothers who have a new political technology startup called Rept. Rept is a civic engagement platform that powers the digital conversation between voters and candidates. Voters can pose questions of a campaign at any time, and the candidate can provide short video answers, which are shared with anyone who has a similar question. I asked Mike and Dave a lot about what Rept does and how they came to start this company. If you're interested in new progressive political technology, you should listen. So, after word from our sponsor, my interview with the Bomwell brothers about Rept.
0: This episode is brought to you by Graphicacy. Graphicacy is an analytic design firm that can help you advance the mission of your organization using your own real data and information. They are 21st century visual communicators who create interactive graphics, motion graphics, and data visualizations. You can find Graphicacy at graphicacy.com. That is G R A P H I C A C Y.com. With Graphicacy's help, you can visualize a better world.
1: Mike and David, hi. How are you? Hello. Hello. Would you each mind introducing yourselves and giving me a quick biography?
2: Sure. My name is Mike Baumwall. I am the CEO and co-founder of Rept. I am the brother of Dave Baumol, who is also a co-founder. So my background, I've actually been in digital marketing for the last 12 and a half years. Um, I kicked off my career uh, at a company called the Rubicon Project, which is a, an ad tech advertising technology startup that went public and then spent six and a half years at Twitter um, where i uh amassed a, a ton of knowledge around the social space and the impact of the platform since july first jumped on to Rept full time and been running it ever since and david yeah I, i'm i'm david baumwall i'm actually
0: the middle of three baumwall boys we have we have an oldest brother um who is is cooler than both of us and taller my background it, it's been different than mike's Um, I I joined Teach for America right after uh, undergrad, taught in Newark, New Jersey for uh, two years and was inspired and got my butt kicked every single day. And while I was there, ended up connecting with then-Mayor Cory Booker um, and became an education uh, policy consultant, seeing how a lot of these things went down, um, both in the school and in, in government, um, wanted to go back to school myself. So I went to the, the Harvard Kennedy school where I got my master's in public policy. And while there I actually studied homicide trends as my sort of thesis focus, uh, so decided to go to law school, uh, to become a prosecutor, which I did, went to Rutgers law school, uh, back in Newark, and then, uh, became an assistant district attorney in the Bronx where I, I did organized crime prosecutions for about four years. Then I uh, joined the uh, New York City Mayor's Office of Criminal Justice under uh, Mayor de Blasio, so where we set criminal justice policy. Then as my my family was growing, I uh, went to the private sector Then just went into litigation. And along the way, um, as uh, Mike and I will talk a little bit more about, uh, became inspired to make a difference uh, in this space, in the civic space through, through technology. So it kind of brought us here.
1: Was the Baumwell family a political family?
0: Not in the classic sense, not in like the people, are, people have run for office or anything like that, but always plugged in, I'd say. What do you think, Mike?
2: Yeah, I, I would say we're, we're a dynasty of therapists, not politicians. Our parents are both uh, therapists uh, and have had a practice together for almost, I think, 30 plus years. And uh, our oldest brother, after a couple of different careers, jumped into the family business. So he is also a therapist in the family business. Uh, and Dave and I are essentially the black sheep of the family and decided to take our skills of, of listening and empathy and um, asking people personal questions to get them to share their, their lives with us. Uh, into a very different realms, career-wise. I think
0: on that, though, one thing that's been valued, I, I, the, a value for us growing up was the power of personal conversations. Um, and, and that's really actually at the heart of what we built um, and the heart of what we wanted to do. The power of a conversation to make people feel connected is very much um, part of the ethos of, of what Rept is.
1: So if you were going to... Kind of characterize each of your sort of skill sets in the world. It seems like you're a little different in sort of technical, political, legal, otherwise. Characterize what you're bringing to the company on a skill basis.
2: Uh, a better beard, first and foremost.
1: <laughs> but that could be remedied by one shave. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> this is true. So, I would say my area of expertise really has been more aligned with the digital side of the world, uh, digital marketing. Digital marketing, I, you know, I, I jumped into the world at a place called the Rubicon Project, which really was at the beginning of advertising technology. And I was able to get a quick education, one, on how digital ads worked, how giant corporations and brands marketed their services, how they connected with audiences. And then also at the same time, because I, I've always had an interest in entrepreneurship, watching a very small company grow quickly, explode into a public company. Um, so I think my the background of building a company, having the exposure to helping to grow that company, uh, and then also working with some of the world's largest brands, both at the Rubicon Project uh, and then also at Twitter, I think have really shaped my uh, my skill sets. Um, and I would say, if i pick, it would be uh, digital advertising social media, marketing, and really helping brands to, to tell their story, connecting with audiences in an authentic manner.
1: That was a long answer for- It's actually the answer I was hoping to elicit, so I, I appreciate that. I think I would regret if having looked at your LinkedIn, I didn't ask you about Varsity Jackets. <laughs> what was that?
2: Varsity Jackets was a, a, my first attempt at building a business. I was a junior at Lafayette College. And uh, a friend and I were in a marketing class and the assignment in the class was um, come up with a new product and a company and try to market it and create it. Um, So we came up with this really funny collegiate idea of Varsity Jackets, which was a a collegiate condom company that promoted safe sex via school spirit. Um, So the idea was to market the condoms using the logos and the branding of schools um, so that there was uh, a bit of school spirit in there. It was a fantastic experience. Our grandmother, it's a kind of embarrassing, but um, she was the one that came up with the tagline for the business, which was the tagline, which was Feel the Spirit. Um, <laughs> and hearing your 90-year-old grandmother say that was really just, uh, I think, why I shut the business down. <laughs> uh, honestly, that was some of the funniest family conversations I
0: ever remember were around how to market varsity jackets. Everyone weighed in. I think get the school spirit up, get the school spirit in you were possible things, but um, it, was, it was a whole family affair to, to talk through it.
1: I remember a Thanksgiving in my family, uh, which very much enjoys wordplay, where we were talking about user-friendly condom names. One of them I think was like Emission Control, there were many that came up that ranged in quality i don't like pptp or yeah i can't remember them all but there were (laughs) there were dozens that for some reason made quite an enjoyable conversation i can see why uh varsity jackets would is it true that different schools were marketed different sizes
2: (laughs) very accurate actually what's funny is Um, being a college student and going through all of the names of college mascots, it becomes very easy to come up with condom products that are specific to their school. USC Trojans, uh, the Minutemen and UMass. I mean, there's a, there's a number of them that really just make it easy. The Minutemen is really good. What's
1: the, what is the Lafayette, uh, mascot?
2: The leopard, which is not a condom that you want.
1: So were you printing like the logo on the condom?
2: Uh, we did not want to impact um, the the actual condom itself, the quality of the condom. So we we would print the logos on the front of the packaging.
1: Well, I don't want to divert this too far down that road, but <laughs> it just it just kind of jumped out at me, as one might say. So entrepreneurial background and legal background. What what's the founding story for Rept? What occasions the idea to do this? civic engagement platform that you have put together
0: yeah um so so it actually started a little while ago it started in like around 2015 we were on vacation with our extended family down the jersey shore we're both jersey boys uh and we're around the table and we talk politics all the time and something came up around i want to say it was immigration policy, maybe it was a climate policy. I I forget exactly the specific policy area, but Mike and I were sitting next to each other. And because of my policy background, he assumes that I'll be able to sort of tick off whatever information needs to be shared. So he's like, don't really know about this. Can you give me, can you give me an explanation of this in like a minute, just so that I can jump in. So I have some background. And so I gave him like my you know, high level three bullet points of uh, it, it's this, 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 that's what you need to know. Right. And probably took like 30, 45 seconds. And after he's done, he's like, oh, that's exactly what I needed. And then I was like, there should be an app like this. And we were like, yeah. We kind of laughed and then started thinking about it. We're like, yes, there should be. There should be a way for people to get explanations from people through a visual medium, right? So like something that feels like you're actually speaking to somebody uh, in short and sweet explanations. And so we created a company that uh, we called MINK, uh, which is spelled M-I-N-Q-U-E, which stood for minute questions. The idea was, can we sort of crowdsource questions and find out like, what do people want to know and then get experts to answer it? in in short form like a a minute to two minutes and so we we developed that over a number of years learned a ton in the process uh, and we launched it in the app store in 2019 i believe mike right and we worked with something like a little over 60 college professors around the country and and the idea was get people to ask questions find out what they want to know and then through this network of experts find out the right person to ask and say like, Professor Johnson from Duke, who's an expert in Middle Eastern affairs, can you, can you answer this question in like three minutes or less? And so we would then get the video and anybody who asked the question or upvoted that question would get a personalized push notification saying, Professor Johnson from, from Duke answered your question, come check it out here. So it felt like a personal connection to expertise. That was the idea. It was almost like democratizing expertise. And I think where REPT comes in is that shortly after launching it, I think Mike and I both wanted to make more of an impact in the democracy space. The backdrop is we're right in the middle of the the Trump administration. There was a lot to be concerned about. The very fabric of democracy itself felt like it was being stretched at best being undermined significantly, um, maybe at worst, and we wanted to be a part of that, and we weren't exactly sure how. You
1: wanted to you wanted to be a part of undermining it?
0: <laughs> Great point, so sorry. Um, wrong modifier. Um, we wanted to be a part of pushing back. We wanted to create something that would strengthen it. And so that was sort of a lingering idea, and then the pandemic hit. And, Um, So as I mentioned, I I went to the the Kennedy School. So a lot of my classmates were either running for office or running campaigns or associated with campaigns in 2020. So uh, and actually one of my colleagues from undergrad, Dave Cavell was running for office for U.S. House Massachusetts four. And I remember having a conversation with him where we're saying, Hey, how are you? Safe? Everyone okay? Yeah, yeah, I am. He's like, But my campaign is screwed right now because I don't know how I'm going to connect with voters. Um, I can't knock on their doors. I can't hold in-person events. You know, we can't stop them on the street. Like, everyone's everyone's scared. This was a common refrain even with other uh, other people I'd gone to school with or people I knew who were in campaigns were saying a lot of the same things. Voter contact was in real trouble. and And Mike and I spoke about this, that, like, one of our core beliefs, going back to this sort of conversation theme, is that we believe, at its core, democracy is a conversation. It's supposed to be a conversation between voters and candidates, constituents, and elected officials. It, it's in that interplay, it's in that exchange that democracy is is really created. And the the problem we were looking at was what happens when that conversation is disrupted. And you know, the pandemic was the clearest example of that. But It also highlighted all of the the inefficiencies, the ways in which that conversation's uh, insufficient or it breaks down. And so he said, it's, you know, then it's 2020. There's gotta be a digital solution for this. And we're like, what we built with Mink can be adapted to this. And, And it was just a light bulb moment for us. And we were like, this is what this system was built for. It was our passion, meeting the moment, meeting opportunity, and and Rept was born.
1: It's exciting when you think you have a solution for an important problem. It is also challenging to make that solution in the form of a company with all the complexity of, you know, bringing in revenue in some business model and creating the right staff and all of the other things that you've had to do. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got going in that regard and how things have built o- over time?
2: It is challenging to uh, to build a company, one, in the, in the middle of the pandemic, um, but two, also to build a, a real functioning business around a passion and an idea that we uh, were jumping into. We've been really focused on creating a product that was going to be valuable to campaigns, that was going to be valuable to voters that gave access to people so they can feel like they were empowered to ask questions and be a part of the process. We actually built Rept for our parents uh, in a lot of ways because we're like, you know, if our parents can use it and they are great with technology, we love you, mom and dad, um, then it's easy for everyday voters to get uh, to log in um, and to be a part of the process. We thought a lot about that experience. And as we were talking with campaigns, it became very clear in terms of the, the business environment. And, and Nathaniel, you know a lot about this, um, creating a, you know, just a small company that only a few people know about in the democratic space. Um, that uh, we, we wanted to really um, focus this business and work with campaigns that were raising a lot of money, that were looking for a software that, um, that really didn't exist up until that point. Um, so there was a lot of interest when we started this because there was this as David described, there was this giant gap in the space uh, that didn't really allow for voters and candidates to engage in a digital medium and actually if, you know if I might add so the the question of the model was something that
0: came up because in with mink right the 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 precursor um, we were very focused on the the drive of the people who are asking questions, where right? our focus was on how do we get people to ask those questions? And so the model was, I mean, just speaking totally frankly, it just wasn't as strong, right? Um, but once we started looking at the political space, we started looking at the platform itself differently. We started looking at it as a tool for entities, for campaigns, for candidates who could use this as a tool to reach out to voters. And to have them driving it, they also were and are the paying customer. Uh, so we we designed, uh, a, we designed the product to be as friendly for them as, as possible, um, with the understanding that it would only get me traction if it was also useful for the voters, right? So it was it was an interesting way to think about it because we can't have one without the other. But as a business model, we realized that we had to design this to the customer itself, and that is the campaign and the candidate. And that was a fundamental shift from where we were before.
1: I'm not sure I understand what a campaign would be buying. Can you explain that?
2: Yeah. We build custom websites for individual campaigns, and the website is the Q&A platform. REPT is a voter engagement platform that connects both the, the voters and the candidates so they can have an authentic conversation the way that it works is that there are three pillars to Rept, right? So uh, one, we call Rept an always-on video town hall platform. So it's a safe space for voters to ask and upvote questions um, and for candidates to respond with short video answers. Two, Rept is a data platform. So because of that engagement on the platform itself with voters, we aggregate a bunch of data and we share that back with the individual campaign so they can use it. And then three, we're an email marketing platform. So because... Of all the content that's generated on the platform, because candidates are responding with video answers, we actually integrated with NGP to make it really easy for candidates to distribute those answers out to voters within seconds. Um, So what we're selling candidates is a, a communications platform that really houses the question and answer between voters and candidates. And that really doesn't exist today outside of attempting to do a Zoom town hall.
1: That's, that sounds pretty interesting to me. Since like around 2000, I have seen dozens of different attempts to do things that are quite analogous to this, but different in their particulars. Some have been funded to the millions of dollars and some unfunded. Some have lasted for a while and some have not. This does sound different, in, particularly in that it, it you seem to have started out quite early as a B2B sort of model, uh, rather than a, kind of a consumer product or a voter product, because that's been a real struggle, especially with the, the, you know, the interest varying so much over time and really being concentrated and then going away. And then also, how do you charge sort of thing? Was it hard to put together? I mean, you had, obviously, you had a, you had Mink, you had something where you tested some of these ideas. Did you raise money? Did you bring your own money to it? Did you hire up? What's the company look like?
2: So we actually bootstrapped it up to uh, the early days, um, which was uh, an interesting experience. Dave and I were growing our families. The idea of pouring unlimited cash that was not unlimited um, uh, into this product that we really believed in, we needed some help. Uh, So we, we needed to sort of figured that out. So we raised a, we had a small family and friends round. We raised enough capital to build out reps. um, So that was valuable to to campaigns. Um, And we started to integrate with certain technologies like NGP. Um, And then most recently to take it to the next level from the family and friends, we've been able to raise um, some additional capital from more institutional investors. Um, We've uh, we actually recently just got an investment from new media ventures um, which is a progressive VC that really focuses on the future of political democratic tech. So we were really excited to to bring them on board or to, to be um, a part of their portfolio um, for 2022.
1: Does the investment by new media ventures signal a progressive bent to the firm when you sell to campaigns? Are you selling to only one party? Or-
0: yes. Um, I think... In, in our earliest version, we liked the idea of this being a, you know, bipartisan place for people to do things, for people to answer questions. Um, both the realities of where we are, the Republican Party now is not the Republican Party of old. Um, and so we it was a pretty easy decision for us, both both philosophically and from a business standpoint to just work with Democrats.
1: Actually, the reason I noticed this was because of New Media Ventures listing it among their portfolio. How has that experience been for you with them? Sometimes uh, there's a lot of hoops to get it. It's competitive. What kind of value have you seen there and what, what was that like?
2: Well, I think off the bat, it it provided a level of validation for us that we were really excited about. We've proven the model working with a number of candidates, uh, engaging with a number of established individuals in the space that really uh, saw that this was that rep was valuable. But when New Media Ventures invested in us, it gave us an extra boost um, and credibility among some of the, the individuals in the space and the leaders in the space that we were uh, here to stay and that we were an, an important tool for the time. Um, so I think when they invested in us, it was a huge boost of confidence, but it was also a clear signal to the industry that we were a new emerging tool for the future of the Democratic Party. Um, and we've actually received a lot of interest as a result of it. Um, fortunately we were we were able to get connected with you and, and have this conversation today. Um, and we've also um, are engaging in some conversations right now, both um well in the democratic space with state parties, with the DNC, with major democratic institutions. Who are looking for technology like this? So, I think it, it gave us validation, it gave us uh, additional credibility, and it gave us additional confidence that the idea that we've come up with that we've been working with campaigns on really has legs. Uh, and so, I think it, it was a, we were really excited about it. Dave, I don't know if I missed anything there.
0: No, I, I, it was just to add that we're, we're still pretty early on in, in our relationship with New Media Ventures. Like, they've been wonderful throughout the process. Um, I think they, they announced it a little over a month ago. Uh, but we're we're really looking forward not only to being, uh, you know, just one of their portfolio companies individually, but being a part of the cohort, which has a lot of exciting organizations and companies and leaders that I think we're we're excited to learn from.
1: Did you apply to Higher Ground Labs or any of the other uh, funders of political tech on the progressive side?
2: We did. Uh, we applied to Higher Ground Labs because we know that New Media and Higher Ground are, are both phenomenal institutions that that really fund the next generation of tech in the the democratic space. We did apply. We've had a great relationship with Higher Ground Labs. They actually invited us to be a part of their first ever uh, founder academy, which was sort of a small boot camp that really was at the beginning um, in July of 2020 that introduced us to a number of other tech companies in the space, um, a lot of organizations. It was a huge boost for us. But yeah, we, we applied there. We unfortunately did not get funding, but uh, we have to date have a an excellent relationship with the founders there and a number of people that are um, at Higher Ground. Have you hired? Not yet, um, but we because we were able to raise um, with New Media Ventures and some other angel investors that have uh, committed to this round. We are in the process uh, of hiring, so we're looking to build out the team pretty pretty significantly over the next six months, especially as the election cycle really ramps up. We saw, you know, the, obviously the Texas primary and the primaries are just going to sort of continue to roll out. Um, so there's a lot of excitement right now. And we are ha- in having a number of conversations that, that really could lead and sort of require us to hire because we're going to need some extra support. So the goal over the next three to six months is to uh, bring in between uh, three and six people onto the team.
1: What's the state of the product? How functional is it or how far along? I
2: mean, it, it's it's fully baked. Um, I, there's, there's always, we have a, a pretty long product pipeline of things we want to build in to make it even better and stronger and more comprehensive. But as of right now, it's fully baked and we have uh, clients that are using it. We have clients that have signed up and are going to be using it, announcing uh, their candidacy in the near future. Right now it is fully functioning and we've had a number of campaigns as local as uh, New Orleans School Board, uh, uh, all the way up to Congress in 2020 and 2021. Um, worked with a bunch of candidates in the New York City Democratic primary, which was uh, a lot of fun for us. The engine is revving, um, but we are, as they say in the entrepreneurial space, you are building the plane as you fly it. And so we are continuing to make it better and more effective uh, and integrate even deeper with um, some of the more established tech companies out there.
0: And- and just to add uh, with respect to the, the product pipeline, I know that they always talk about like, you know, artists never feel like their work is done. Not about claiming to be an artist, but that's, to be clear. But um, the idea that we know, but we have confidence in what we built and it's been out in the market now for for well over a year. Uh, but we, when we see the successes and when we see the things that work and when we see the things that don't work, uh, it, it just creates this like this huge product pipeline that we're that we're working towards because we I mean like a lot of entrepreneurs, like we've learned a lot along the way about what what our customers are responsive to, what voters are responsive to. And I think one thing that I am proud of us for is having the humility to to look at it very honestly and see how we can do better. And where it's not working, uh, and and we've we've turned a lot of those insights into new tech builds and into new features that, that have made a really big difference. And like, uh, well, actually, one one small random one, we learned pretty early on that surprisingly, candidates are not always comfortable filming themselves, recording a video of themselves answering a question. Right? We heard things like, "I, I don't want to look at myself." I don't want to see myself staring back at me, or I don't want to have to start over. There are a lot of problems, even just with the recording process. And so we said, how can we make this easier for them? Because obviously it's not a given. And we created this function that basically can turn your screen into a teleprompter um, so that they can put in notes, whether that's the candidate themselves, whether that's their communications director or their digital director or whoever it is, they can put in the notes, turn their screen into a teleprompter. And be able to stay on message for the length of the video. It was an example of a learning that almost every candidate we speak to is like, "Oh my god, that will make my life so much easier." And we're like, "Okay, good." Like we we took a hard look at the product that we had. Uh, tried to tweak it so that it it, it was just that much more user friendly for our for our customer.
1: I think it would make it more con- concrete for me and other people if you gave a specific example of a client that used it well and how they did and how that like played into their campaign or whatever, what actually has happened out there that made you think this is something that has value.
2: Dave, we can use the, uh, the example of Dave Cabell and he was really effective at using it. So Dave Cabell was running for Congress. Dave said uh, in Massachusetts Four. Um, it was the beginning of the pandemic. He had no way to connect with voters he called Rept his digital door-knocking tool. So the way that it would work is that we built a custom page for Dave Cavell, um, his logos, his, his branding, color, everything. And the idea is that the site is, is designed in a Q&A format. Um, so he made a grand announcement that he was working with Rept, uh, and this was effectively his new digital way to connect with voters. Um, so a voter would be notified, maybe on social media, maybe through an email, um, to come and ask him a question. That was the thing. Ask me anything throughout the the length of the campaign. A voter would be directed to Dave Cavell's page. They would ask uh, a question or they can upvote a question sort of Reddit style. Um, And they we would essentially uh, have a trending feed of what voters care about, what kinds of questions they were asking. And then Dave Cavell could pick the answers he was interested in responding to, record his answer to a particular voter. And then as soon as he recorded his answer and submitted it, Let's say 50 people uploaded his question. All 50 people would receive an email notification saying Dave Cavell has answered your question. So at its core, Rept is a and A platform, uh, a digital Q and A platform. But what it ends up becoming for campaigns is a content engine. Um, they record all these videos talking about their stance on particular um, issues. Um, you know, maybe introducing them as a candidate, and all of this content becomes really valuable for them because, as we've learned, candidates are constantly looking for ways to raise money, to engage with the voters. So all of this content becomes available, and they can distribute those answers through social media. They can use our email marketing functionality and be able to share those answers to the voters in their district. Actually, um, one example I think that actually will add additional color here, Dave, is Carrie Duran. She's a wonderful human being. She was running for state representative in a rural part of New Hampshire. Um, single mom, three kids, full-time job, didn't have a lot of time to run her campaign. Um, and we kind of built Rept around the idea of Carrie, of um, because the idea was that she could feed her kids, put them to bed, have dinner, take 15 minutes at the end of the day, and be able to see what kinds of questions her voters were asking, um, understand the data behind how they were interacting with their site, record answers to their questions, and ship them out. She had a district, I think it was 27,000 voters. She couldn't knock on all 27,000 doors because it was rural, it was a big district, and she had a full-time job. So Rept really gave her the ability to have a personal connection with voters across her district where she can answer their question and within seconds they would get an email to their phone that was in their pocket and they can watch a personalized answer from Kerry Durant.
1: It strikes me as a sort of uh, focused version of an inbound marketing tool like a HubSpot or something where you're you know you're finding a way to generate content that people will find you based on and get to know you and maybe climb a ladder of engagement with your campaign in this case. Do you see that connection or connection with other types of tools?
2: Absolutely, and and my background in marketing, I was very conscious of making this, turning this into sort of a marketing machine for campaigns, um, which is what has led to what Dave was describing before is different features that make it easier to create content, to create answers, and be able to distribute those answers out. For campaigns, it's very much like a HubSpot, uh, a marketing platform that allows for inbound interaction from voters and allow them to feel heard, allow them to ask questions, and then for candidates to be able to respond with them and be able to distribute those answers out. Right now, we have an integration with NGP and we make it easy to email your answers out as a candidate. We're actually in talks with a progressive texting platform uh, that will allow candidates to text out their video answers. Voter Jack can be walking to the grocery store and get a text message in, um, from, you know, Carrie Duran or Dave Cavell or another candidate explaining, say, hey, you know, uh, the election's coming up and then in a couple months. Here is my answer to, you know, the snowplow issue that's going on within the district or my answering a question around, you know, domestic policy, what have you. So the idea is that wherever you are, um, that's why we call it an always on video town hall because wherever you are, you can feel engaged to ask questions and get a personalized response from the individual candidate. And on the candidate side, it becomes a marketing platform
1: the The word video town hall, i mean, I was thinking about competing products that have been in this general niche, things like electronic town halls, or there's there are text-based civic engagement platforms. There's a lot of different things that. Uh, have generally for a long time tried to work on that connection between voter and campaign going back to the beginning of the internet. There's nothing exactly like yours, but what do you see as competitive type products that are out there that campaigns might be choosing among?
0: There isn't directly anything on point, like you said. We've been thinking about a how to make a better alternative to uh, what campaigns are already doing. Which is a lot of different things. I mean, there's like the the manual host a town hall, right? Send a mailer. There are the things that you're doing that are not digital. That actually is a competitor because that that's the alternative of what they um, what they would be using. Uh, and then social media related, which Mike can speak to a
2: lot better, obviously. Yeah, I'll jump in real quick. So I would say there's no direct competitor to reps, uh, and that's been clear in the conversations that we've had with. Um, Leaders within the Democratic Party, which is uh, exciting. The closest thing to what to a competitor has been social media. Um, however, it's not a direct competitor. And also, the candidates that and uh, you know the hundreds of candidates and campaigns we've spoken to, there's been a consistent message in all of that, which is you know I have to use social media because I have to be present on them, uh, on the different platforms. But realistically, I don't love it. It ends up being a, an area of chaos um, where I often get um, a lot of trolls who ask me questions or try to you know really ruin my day. Um, so they, right now, they will use social media as a way to try to engage with voters, but it hasn't been designed in a way that makes it really easy. So that's why we built Rep. You have control over the questions and the answers that are coming in and that are going out. We aggregate a bunch of data um, around how people are engaging um and we're able to integrate with other democratic tools and um and distribute the answers out pretty easily but so i would say the closest thing to a competitor really is the social media platforms but i think candidates are really looking for another medium um to have a more authentic personalized connection with voters in a controlled environment yeah i
0: think that is something that that sets it apart um just because the way that communications between candidates and and voters is uh right now is very dependent on time and place converging right like like time and opportunity you, you have to you have to be able to take off work you have to be able to you have to be home at the time they knock on your door you have to answer your phone if they call uh, that is not efficient and uh it, it's it's very limiting. There are a lot of people who want to be a part of the process but don't have the time and so a big part of our focus has been how can we bring it to them how can we get how can we make it so easy and bring it to them that they have that like they're able to act on the interest of being involved whereas other things are prohibitive and so i think that's that's why it's designed this way and uh and it, it just makes it a, a very easy experience. Where literally all—I mean—you can go and consume the videos regardless. But if you want to be a participant, all you need to do is upvote a question. You click, and upvote. That's it. You're now in the conversation. You will now be—you know—responded to, unless it was like a wildly inappropriate question. Um, but you're going to be responded to. And you're going to be—you're going to feel heard. And and this kind of goes back to I guess sort of our upbringing, the idea of the power of being heard the power of being feeling like you're an active part of an ongoing conversation, which too many people feel left out of in our
1: democracy. Do you have moderation tools? I mean, all of these public platforms for that, accept political comments or questions tend to attract some of the baser elements, the trolls. Uh, How do you handle that kind of issue?
2: Yeah, that, that probably was one of our biggest questions that we received from campaigns was, uh, I'm nervous about trolls. So I'm nervous about people asking really inappropriate questions or a political operative hiring 15 people to ask questions and bombard the site. Um, so we designed this very simple functionality. It's an approve or deny functionality. So every question that gets posted to reps, um, you know, to Dave Cavell's page, Dave, we're giving you a lot of mention here if you're listening to this podcast, but if you go to Dave Cavell's page, you um, and you're a troll and and posted a question, the question has to be approved by the campaign before it's publicly shared on the front end of the site. We have this very simple Approve and Deny button. The campaign is notified as soon as the question's been posted, and they can um, give it the thumbs up or the thumbs down. None of the content that's being posted to the front end of the site is seen before it's approved by the campaign.
1: I'm sure you're aware that selling into the campaign market is different than selling into a lot of other markets, just in its cyclicality and the startup-y nature of campaigns and their lack of continual employees that know what they're doing. It's a challenging arena to enter and to survive in. Some of the ways that people survive is either some kind of bullheaded notion that this is really where they want to be with a company or finding a way to generalize the product out of the space and keep politics as sort of a vertical. It seems like there might be some kind of way that this is like a video Quora where it's a question answering video platform that could be applied uh, you know, to to lots of verticals. I don't want to jump ahead of you. You're two people, you're hiring, you're trying to enter the space, but to what degree have you thought about how to survive and how to possibly generalize this to do that.
0: I think that's been a a hot topic with us, right? The passion, the excitement was around campaigns and being a part of that space. But like you said, the cyclicality of it, the uh, sort of transient nature of sort of who you're working with as well on campaigns can be uh, problematic. So we're in active conversations right now with advocacy organizations that are sort of always on. Uh, we, we've we talked to a number of city, state, and local governments just as a an always-on way to communicate with with constituents and, and beyond, right? So I, I think uh, looking at those verticals is, is very much a part of what we see in the future, but we, we've been really inspired by the the campaign. That's where the, the focus has been uh, early on, but we're, we're very much in line with what you were describing there.
2: Yeah, and, and to add on to Dave's point there, we are exploring sort of the always-on revenue streams that uh, are separate from um, the democratic space. But I think one of the things that's exciting for us is that uh, campaigns are cyclical. There's a specific amount of time to the primary and to the general, and then you sell in your product and your tool, and then assuming they win and carry on to November. Um, but we're really excited about the idea of working with a number of campaigns. And then as soon as they win... Um, this automatically converts into a constituent management tool, um, that now that you are the mayor of this town or the governor of this state, you can now take this very simple Q and a experience and apply it to those that are living in that town or in that state. So it becomes sort of an always on home base that you can be a transparent governor or mayor. Um, so we really focused on like, uh, Cyclical nature of the campaigns, working really hard, and then transitioning that into a constituent management tool, uh, in addition to a number of the uh, other industries outside of the space.
1: Well, you you have to be a little careful. Some regulatory boundaries between campaigns. You might have to sell it separately.
2: That's my my lawyer
0: hat. I, that that's already been a uh, like okay. No, there needs to be there's be a wall. But nevertheless, the the sort of at least feeling like a per, like a. Even if it's the campaign is one customer and the, the government entity is another customer, the idea that someone could get hooked on the ease of communicating with voters is what, what's so exciting to us. Whether it's you as the candidate or whether it's you as the, uh, the representative, you campaigning in poetry and now having to govern in prose, your ability to communicate that to, to voters is still going to be paramount. So we're, we're excited at that, that prospect.
1: Are the videos that the candidate makes public to anybody, or do they only go to subscribers to your app?
2: They are public. Um, so Rept is actually, uh, we designed specifically not to be an app because we didn't want to limit access. We know that we've had experience building an app in the past, and sometimes it can be a bit of a hurdle getting people to download it or experience it. So we've actually, it's a mobile website that any device that you're on, one click to the the candidate's website, and you can get access to them. So as long as you click on that link, the videos are public, um, and anybody who is interested in learning more about you can watch your videos and share them across social media.
1: Does that give pause to any politicians? You know, in politics, you can get bitten for the smallest thing that you say. If you're a normal politician, some folks have managed to somehow avoid that seemingly, but. What do you hear from candidates about the risks about being more open with their snippets of answering questions and so on?
2: So we've actually heard that candidates like using RET because um, it's not live. So I think some of the concern that we've heard from campaigns is like, oh, I have a town hall or I'm doing a a live Instagram or uh, I'm on Facebook doing a live event. And there's more concern from their end that they're going to say something inappropriate or something that slips uh, in a live environment. So they actually like these sort of asynchronous uh, form of Rept, where they can use teleprompter mode, record, you know, type in a script, put in some notes, record an answer, be able to edit that answer, and then distribute it out. That gives them more control. And I think that's why they, in particular, have really liked us in, in comparison to some other platforms that exist today.
1: What else would you want people to know about REPT uh, that we haven't already covered?
2: It's a great question. We've covered a lot of it. REPT was really born out of the idea to grant people access um, to those that are likely to represent them. Um, I think that, so I think we've been really focused on making REPT as easy as possible. So, regardless of your status or your access or education level that you have a microphone to step up to to ask questions and challenge those who are in power. We, des- we really design rep for that purpose um, to empower people to have their own microphone. Um, and then, you know, obviously the, the business benefit of that is that we get to, you know, build this tool for campaigns that they can use it as a marketing function. But the goal is that every democratic candidate across the country has their own Rept page so that at any point a voter who's curious and wants to learn more can learn, discover candidates across the country that they may not be familiar with. Um, and that, and what we've learned is that, um, you know, I think there's a lot of attention paid to federal candidates who are running for office or gubernatorial candidates that are running for office, but there are so many candidates on the state ledge level. Um, that are running for state houses, which we have recently, uh, I think our eyes have been open to the importance of, of state legislatures and how they shape our states and everyday lives, and also local candidates. I mean, the 99% of candidates that run for office are running at the local level. And we're seeing that even in school boards, local city council. So I think the thing that I would, I would want to push, uh, or at least uh, emphasize here, is that REPT was designed to make it easy, regardless of the level of office, um, to have a microphone and to be able to engage with those who are making decisions on our behalf. So I think we're really focused on that
0: just like a, a sort of a visceral example is when people saw the way school board meetings were going, so Michael, meant, uh, Mike mentioned school boards, that people were going into an auditorium, school board members were, you know, for a variety of reasons getting pummeled. And it was quite a scene. And, you know, on one hand, like that's democracy. Um, but on another hand, like it dissuades a lot of people from, from getting involved and from actually trying to connect with voters, uh, and there's a better way. I think at, at the heart of it, communications in our democracy needs an upgrade. And like this, is something we say all the time, and like that's exactly what we're focused on. And it doesn't even take uh, anything crazy. We just need to find a way to streamline it, and that's exactly what we're doing at Rept, um, and making it easy for voters to participate, making it easy for campaigns to communicate with them.
1: Some voters don't have access to good internet or uh, the, a device to do this, do you worry at all about inadvertently excluding some folks from the ability to communicate if this is the platform for it? It's getting ahead of things a bit, but just curious to your answer.
0: Certainly. I mean, like, like Mike said, like we wanted this to be accessible and as few barriers as possible. The barrier around the fact that broadband and just any kind of internet is not readily available to everybody is an inherent limitation. Um, We obviously work in the digital space. So there's only so much on our end that we can do to fix that problem. But
1: I mean, someone can go to a library or, but yeah, it's right.
0: Right. And, And that's the idea. The idea is if they can get any internet connection anywhere, they can be a part of this. They don't have to download anything. It's just an easy, it's an easy portal to get in and find out more from the people running to represent you and uh and, and to have your voice heard.
1: What is the lowest end like that could utilize this? I'll give you an example. My wife is an elected advisory neighborhood commissioner in DC, which is an unpaid sub city council, represent about 2,000 people sort of position. The general area has seven of them. They meet together in their commission. They do a lot of like Zoom meetings, where people where they answer questions, where people type things in the in the chat box. Uh, There there are people who are not very pleasant sometimes in what they say or uh, tactful in the way they ask things, but there are also lots of really important. Neighborhood functions going on and consideration of very close to the ground issues, sidewalks and zoning and uh, affordable housing and, and and everything that that matters to a neighborhood. Could a commission like that, like which is maybe zero or low budget, what would it cost to to hook up with you, and what would the process be on that kind of low end?
2: So uh, the answer is yes. We actually uh, are speaking with some small uh, city councils and small towns that are looking for, uh, to leverage rep- for exactly the, the reason you are describing. Our pricing, we, tr- we have tried to make it as affordable as possible, especially for the example you described. Generally, uh, and I'm happy to disclose what the pricing is, but um, for something local, we typically charge $100 a month. The model is, is, a, is a the monthly subscription. So, for example, if, if uh, your wife and other elected officials were interested in using it, we could build a rep page within 24 hours, get it situated and running, and all they would have to do is share the URL to that particular page. And it, those 2,000 people that were asking questions, appropriate or, or inappropriate, could start using it right, right then and there.
1: But you would have to physically build it? Could they maybe down the road build it off a template do it themselves productize this to the point where or you could scale it to the long tail of that market both campaign and and office holder and others
2: so right now the majority of the functionality to scale this so it's as easy as building a you know a twitter or facebook profile a lot of that development has already been done our goal especially with this round of funding is to scale the technology so that anyone anywhere could build their own rep page within minutes, be up and running, and use it in whatever capacity they wanted to. Right now, because um, we've been doing everything uh, by ourselves and manually building it, but the goal is in the next couple months to roll this out so anyone anywhere can
1: use it. Is Rept represented? What is Rept? Yep. Yep.
2: Exactly. Represented.
1: Is there a question I haven't asked you that I should have?
2: I did lose my hair, and it's mostly because because of Dave and my son. Uh, no, I, I, I think generally... I mean, that's generally why you've vastly. had the
1: hat on during this whole interview, which nobody who's just getting an audio feed will see that you <laughs> are looking a little shiny on yeah, top. Yeah, uh,
2: this is uh, a, a toddler um, with separation anxiety. This is what it looks like um, when dad goes to work. He loses all of his hair. I think in general... You've asked us uh, all the questions, Dave. Is there anything missing that you think would be interesting to talk about? No, I mean, I, I think this—it's—it's it's been an interesting conversation, and I, I
0: we—I mean, I know one thing that we—we we didn't do was was walk through all the functionality, but it, without seeing it, can can be a little dry to, to describe. Um, but that we, in terms of the broad strokes, I think we, we covered a lot of what we uh we'd hope
2: to communicate about it.
1: Well. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you two guys taking the time. Is there anything else you want to say?
2: No, I think we just wanted to thank you for, for the opportunity to, to connect with you. You are, uh, Nathaniel, a legend in the space. Um, so it, it's an honor to, to connect with you and true. talk with you. Uh, it's true. Um, and uh, no, we, just, we appreciate it. Any opportunity to share what we're working on and building is a win for us. And we just appreciate the time.
1: Well, it's been a pleasure for me. That was Mike and Dave Baumwall. They are at Rept.us. This is Nathaniel G. Perlman with the Great Battlefield Podcast. You can find us at greatbattlefield.com or by searching for Great Battlefield in places where podcasts are found.